my teaching today is, is fellowship with Jesus. Fellowship with Jesus. So uh, let's stand for the reading of God's word from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It's, it says, uh, verse 8 and 9, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this time we have in your word, and I pray you would lead me and guide me, give me the words, and, and open our hearts to receive this truth of our fellowship with you. And um, we just ourselves in your hands and ask for the help of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. So uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He had spent like a year and a half there, and uh, there were problems in the church and questions that they had. There was division in the church. Uh, there was disorder in some of the church services with spiritual gifts, with uh, Communion, the celebration of the, um, the uh, Lord's Supper, and uh, questions about marriage, uh, questions about the resurrection. So he writes this epistles to, epistle to them, 1 Corinthians, and then 2 Corinthians. Um, and he, um, this is basically his introduction, and he just flows from his greetings. And... Uh, he says that, um, that the, verse 6, the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Verse 7, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's encouraging them that Jesus is coming back, encouraging them to wait expectantly for Jesus Christ's return. And, and we're still doing that today. And he's, he's coming back a second time. And, uh, and then he says, to encourage them, he says, who will confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says he will, confer, he will confirm us to the end. That is, he'll preserve us. He'll preserve us. He'll make sure it happens uh, until the end, until, until we, get, we go to be with him, until he comes back, uh, until we have our glorified God bodies. He will confirm us. He will make sure all this happens. He will preserve us. And this is borne out in Scripture uh, so many times. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who had begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Again, until the day of Jesus Christ, until the end. That, that we're confident that he began the work and he's going to finish it. So the question is, if he's begun that good work in us. And we see evidences of that by the fruit in our hearts, that we, we do believe in him, that we, that we persevere, that we, that we love him, that we love the brethren, and that, that our minds are set on spiritual things. I'm not perfectly, but we've, we're not walking like, like unregenerate people who, who are happy in their sins and who don't care about about obeying the Lord, right? So, so um, that's the good work, and, and he started it. He's going to finish it. Um, it says, uh, 
that uh, John 6, 39, this is the will of my Father who sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up in the last day. The ones given to him, the ones who come, the ones that he started that good work in, uh, these are the ones he's not going to lose any of them. And then he says, uh, in 1 Peter 1.4, it says that we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. So he says he'll confirm us to the end that, um, that, we sh- that we might be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blameless, without, uh, with nothing to accuse us whatsoever. With, with nothing that, that we have innocent and, and clean and perfect, blameless. And so, actually, he sees us that way now. Now, we're not blameless in our conduct, far from being blameless in our conduct. But he sees us as blameless because he sees us in Christ, and Christ is blameless. Amen. So he sees us as he sees his son. And so we see that, that, that dual... Uh, reality that that we're blameless now but not in our conduct because that's sanctification he's 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 cleaning us up but but he's that we he'll he'll preserve us that we will someday be blameless in our conduct with no sin we won't that's one of the greatest parts of going to be with the lord that there'll be no sin pure love and righteousness without even the thought of any sin or contamination so it says um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same, same truth. And then he says, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. He who calls you is faithful, who also would do it. So here we have what a promise that he's going to confirm us to the end and that we might be blameless. So that's a promise of God that we can count on. But we see it also that, that, we're, that he sees us as blameless now. First Corinthians, uh, Colossians 1.21 says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now, now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in your sight, in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. So he sees us that way, that he reconciled us already. It's already happened. It's a fact through his death. And to present us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, that's how he sees us. If we continue in the faith, we have to persevere. But we will persevere because that grace that brought us to him in the first place continues with us and, and, and gives us that power to continue to persevere and believe because, because our faith is in our hearts and it's something we can't deny. And, and even though we come to doubt and we are we fluctuate in, in, in our, our beliefs and steadfastness, yet his grace is there. And as we wait upon the Lord, he, he restores our soul and he, he, he removes doubt and he, he keeps us strong. And, and so we have to lean on him because it's not through our strength that we persevere, but as, it's by faith and, and it's through 
because he's faithful, because he's faithful. So um, this is the promise. He says he'll confirm us to the end that we might be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then this, the thought is, he's, he's encouraging them in the exact same thing, that God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, God, God is going to do it. He's going to, he's going to preserve you. He's, his grace is going to be upon you. He's going to ensure that, he's, that you'll be confirmed into the end. God is faithful, the one, the sovereign God, the all-powerful God, the one that created the heavens and the earth. He's the one that's going to do it. He is faithful. In, in Psalm 36, 5, it says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. He is, his faithfulness is, is unlimited. It's, it's infinite. And Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? We can, we can count on the promises of God. And this is one of them. And we can, we can rest assured in his promises because, because he, God is faithful. Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains shall depart, and the hills will be removed. But my kindness will not depart from you, nor will my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. That's all we are, is recipients of mercy. And, and so he, his covenant love is eternal. He knew us from before the foundation of the world. He set his love upon us. Why us, we don't know. Why, we don't know. But, but he, he, he determined and willed to call us unto himself to save us to set his love upon us, and, and, he, and, and it's, he's committed in it. It's, it's his covenant, and, and he will not, he says, the hills can be removed, but not this, not my covenant of love towards you, not that. That will remain. So it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. We're called into fellowship with Jesus. Uh, in, in other words, it's not that we came to him, but he came to us. We did come to him, but he came to us first. And we responded because he came to us first, because he called us unto to himself. We responded to his call. It wasn't just something that we figured out or, or we decided to do. But rather, he, he, he called us inwardly and spiritually. He, he illumined our hearts and minds, and, and he, he brought us in. To himself, he brought us to faith. He brought us into fellowship. Amen. Glory to God. So that, um, and that, that, that truth of calling is something that is in the scriptures so many times for so many years. I read all those verses and I never noticed calling. Actually, there's very few, very few references of the outward call of the gospel. But there's so many that God, God has called us. And, and, and that's, a, that's a personal call that God makes to every one of his people that he saves. Is. So uh, we see in, in Romans 8.30, we see, Who, whom he predestined, these he also called. Who called? He called. 
he called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Then whom he justified, these he also glorified. It's called the golden chain. And so we see these links in the chain. And you either have the whole chain or you don't have any of it. So if, you're, if, you, if you've come, that means you've called. If you believe, that means you've been called. That means you've been predestined. That means you're justified and you will be glorified. So if you have any of these, you have the glorification that will come. Acts 2, 38, 39, Peter says, Repent and let everyone be baptized. And then he says, verse 39, he says, For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Amen. The promise is, is to those that the Lord will call. Now, we're to preach the gospel to everyone. We don't know who the Lord will call. Actually, since I've understood this, I see a lot more fruit in evangelism and in church planning than I did before. Why? Because I know that I can do nothing and he has to do it. He has to do a miracle. He has to, and he will do it. He will call people. I don't know which ones. And so before, I was always trying to make it happen. Whereas now, I'm not trying to make it happen. Give the message. Teach the good news to people. Call them to it. And, and then rest and trust in the Lord. And, and I find that, that when he does the work, it lasts and people are transformed. But I had nothing to do with it except a, a, a mouthpiece. And I'm always actually kind of surprised when it happens. I'm astonished that because it's real changed lives instead of like before a lot of people were kind of humoring me, I think, you know, and just just uh, going through the outward things. And then so you're, you say, well, so many people responded, but it was an outward. Really, we can't tell right away, can we? So we shouldn't just say, okay, now you're saved, because we teach the gospel, and we call them to come, and we might even lead them in the prayer, but then we don't say, well, now, but we say, if you believe, and you're saved by faith alone, and all that. And so then we, we see if they persevere, if they, a lot of people, they'll go through motions, or they'll, they'll, uh, uh, they won't really understand, and they'll have some intellectual assent, but, but it has to come from the heart. It really has to come from the heart. And that's only the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So this, is, this calling is, is necessary because, um, because it's impossible for us to enter into fellowship with Jesus apart from that calling. Yeah, because the Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. It's, a, it's a sad news and news that people don't like to, don't like to receive, but it's better that we see the, the depravity of the human nature. Um, it's in Romans 8, 7, 8 says, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God and does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And it says, 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. And then, Jesus said in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Many other verses, many other verses that, that um, without, the, without the calling of the Holy Spirit, 
that we would never come to him. We come to him because he came to us. We, we, um, we choose him because he chose us. Okay, so uh, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He called us unto fellowship. So fellowship is, is that word is koinonia, and it's, it's a sharing together. So um, a fellowship with the Lord is, is, uh, is an objective reality. It's, it's, it's regardless of how we feel, because that, that, uh, we share in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He lives in us, and we live in him. So we, we have fellowship. So it's an objective reality, but it's also an ex- something experiential as well. It's first an objective fact, and then it's also experiential. It's not just... And um, something in our minds, intellectual, but it's something we experience as well. We don't seek those experiences, but 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 it is in fact something that we experience. And the Bible talks about experiencing fellowship with God. But first of all, we need to know that um, if we've come to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, if we've been called to Him, we've responded, we've received this, we've we've been born again, we've received Him into our hearts then we have fellowship. We have that sharing together. We participate in his life. Um, and that's, that's fellowship. Um, and, and it's here in John 14, 28. Jesus said, When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. That I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And that's, that's fellowship. That's what makes us Christians. Without that, we're not Christians. We might come to church. We might have said a prayer. We might have been baptized. We might have gone through all these external things. But unless we have fellowship, we're not saved. Fellowship is what, what, what makes us saved, what makes us, what makes us Christians. It, it's an objective reality. Galatians 2.20 says, I am Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah, and then 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized in the one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we have all been made to drink of one spirit. It's fellowship. And, and uh, when we see the, what the church is, the church are all those people from all ages, from all nations, who have fellowship with Jesus Christ and fellowship with one another. And so that means union with Christ and union with one another. And we see that the Bible uses all these images to depict that. The body of Christ, we're the building of God, we're the branches and he's the vine. So all these, and we're the, we're the bride and he's the bridegroom. All these things depict fellowship, depict union with Christ. And this, this, is the, this is the goal of our salvation. The goal of our sanctification is fellowship with Christ. And if we have fellowship with Christ, we have fellowship with one another. That's also an objective reality. Fellowship with one another is not coffee and donuts in the morning, right? <laughs> it's not going bowling as a youth group. But fellowship with Christ is, is, a, is, is, a, uh, is an established fact, is a, is a reality. It's, it's an... Uh, in, in our hearts, and and so we have fellowship with equally with anyone who is of Christ. So there should be no 
no preferences that we, we have for certain people over other people because any believer we have the same fellowship with. Yeah. Okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Um, concerning that having the Spirit is necessary, fellowship is necessary. Romans 8, 9 says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And then 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves as to whether you're in the face. Test yourselves. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you are not qualified. So, um, or disqualified. So fellowship is what makes us belong to Christ. The fact that we have fellowship with him. Union with him. Yeah. And this begins in this life and continues on forever. In fact, unless we have fellowship with Christ, unless we come to have fellowship with Jesus in this life, we will never have fellowship with him in eternity. So it begins in, in this life when, when we're born again, yeah, when, when, we, when, we, when we truly believe in him. Yeah. So, um, and it means we have a personal relationship with him. We have a personal relationship. We walk with him. And he walks with us. It means we have a love relationship with him. And that's, that's really what he wants. More than, uh, more than a lot of works. Even though he calls us to do works. He says we should be zealous to do good works. But it's, it's about the love. And the works flow out of the love. The works should flow out of the love. Otherwise they're just us doing stuff for some other reason. For for our own self-image or, or to feel good about ourselves or something. But, but we should focus on the fellowship. We should focus on the love. And this is what he's called us to. This is what Jesus wants. He says, um, he says, Jesus said, John 15, 9, As the Father loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. And we love him because he first loved us. And then he says, um, John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. How many of us want Jesus to manifest himself? Well, it's through obedience. It's by, if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And he's concerned that, that we love him. Whoever loves me will be. So, that's something the Holy Spirit produces. We can't really make ourselves love the Lord. Try as we might. But so how do we, how do we love the Lord? Well, we have to wait on God. We have to wait on the Holy Spirit. We can renew our minds. We can then, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, so we can get the word in us and, 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 and rehearse in our minds how much Jesus does love us. And he says, and this is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation, to be the, the sacrifice for our sins. He, he sacrificed himself. He was willing to take our place so that we could live. This is love. This is love. And so he loves us. He loves us intensely. He loves us from all eternity. He has set his love upon us, and he will not let us go. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, um, this is a love relationship, and this is what Jesus wants.
Um, and, and like I said, it's, it's, it's also experiential. So it can't just be um, something in our minds, intellectual knowledge that, oh, yes, Jesus loves us. But, but it, it's something that, that, um, that we experience as well. In 1 John 4, 13, it says, We know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So we know that we're in him because he gives us his spirit. Apparently, we can know that we have the spirit. And, um, and he says that um, if we love him, we'll be loved and he'll manifest himself to us. And so um, th this, this is uh, something we experience. And, and we, today in this life, fellowship with Jesus. And it involves a personal relationship. It involves communication. It involves a mutual communication where he speaks to us and we speak to him. We speak to him in prayer and he speaks to us. He speaks to us in different ways. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they, and they follow me. Yeah. So there's something about the gospel, that call, that inward call, we recognized it because we're sheep. It's not that, it's not that heeding the call made us sheep. It's, it's rather that because we're sheep, we, we heeded the call. And so, <clears throat> so he speaks to us. Um, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. 1 John 2, 27 says, The anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone teach you. But that same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and not a lie, just as it is, it is taught you to abide in him. So the, the Spirit, the anointing, the Holy Spirit within us teaches us concerning all things. And so the, the Holy Spirit illumines our hearts. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, illumines our hearts, causes us to understand, makes us convinced. That's, that's what we need. Well, this is faith, is being convinced. And so faith comes by hearing the word of God, but, but it takes the Holy Spirit to shine that light in our hearts and, and, and bring us that revelation so that we're convinced. And then when we're convinced, we become as bold as a lion. We're ready to take on anything. And nothing can really harm us, even the worst, because we still, we know that we are with Jesus and he is with us. And in the end, nothing can hurt us, no matter promise no matter how hard things get in this life. I think that's the, the message of the book of Revelation, that these, these trying times are going to come. Actually, in my opinion, from the first coming, from the ascension of Christ to the second coming, that, that, that these are warnings that, that there'll be such trying times economically and natural disasters and persecutions and martyrdoms. But be faithful to the end because the seal of God is upon you, and, and you will be with him, and he's with you, and nothing can, can harm you. He will, he will confirm you to the end, and that's, you, will, you will be more than victorious, more than, more, than, more than victorious. So he illumines our hearts, and he confirms his love to us. It says, Romans eight sixteen, 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's, that's communication. That it's in his word. We see it in his word, but it says the Spirit confirms to our spirit that we are children of God. That we have the spirit of adoption. He wants us to know that we are his. He wants us to know that we are loved. And it takes a while for us to really become convinced of that, I think. But there's nothing more empowering to know that Jesus loves us, loves us personally, yeah, and will, will, will always love us. And, and he'll always be with us, and he'll confirm us to the end. He started the, our, and the work, and he's going to finish it. Glory to God. He also, he also corrects us. Uh, um, I think that as we walk, as we walk, a lot of the word of God speaks directly to right and wrong in our life. But sometimes if it doesn't specifically deal with what, what our situation is, there are principles in the word of God which make it clear what we should do. That is it drawing us closer to Jesus or is it distracting us from Jesus? Is it, is it going to bear fruit or is it going to just be like vanity? And so um, are we responding to, to compulsion and condemnation or are we responding to, to grace and peace and love? So, so there are principles in God's word. And so when we're going through life, we don't know what to do or we're really doing something we don't have a peace about it we don't feel right about it we're not sure well we're not sure if it is but then the holy spirit takes these spiritual uh, scriptural principles and and the word of god and he he applies it to that exact situation and so this is the holy spirit speaking to us through his word yes but also through his spirit speaking to our hearts so it's an experiential fellowship he guides us as well. So he, he illumines our hearts. He confirms to us his love. He corrects us, disciplines us, and he guides our steps. So um, how do we grow in fellowship? Because we can grow in fellowship. We can, we can grow in, 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 in the closeness of our fellowship with Jesus Christ. It says in, in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have grace, unmerited favor, but grace is also that, that outpouring of, of, of his power to enable us to live in a way that we wouldn't have been able to live without it. That's grace. So grace has that double meaning. It's, it's uh, unmerited favor, but it's also that, that ability given us by God, by the Spirit, that we have grace. We have grace to live in obedience to him. And we can grow in, in, in knowledge and grace. And it says, Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So, we can grow in our fellowship. How do we grow? I think two things, by trusting in him and by obeying him. By tr and so also then trusting in him. We can't 
I don't think we can do the slightest thing in our own strength. And we're weak. And uh, if we have doubts, we can't get rid of them. He can. He can take them away. We can't, we can't settle it. We can't settle our spirits or our minds. It says he will restore our souls. And so we have to trust him. We have to trust him. If our, we feel our faith wavering, we trust him. And he, he will take care of it. He will restore that in time. We have to wait upon him. It's a work of his spirit. Faith is a work of his spirit. And the strengthening of faith is a work of his spirit. And it comes through the word of God. So, it, so at least we can do that. We can renew our minds. We can, we can read the word. And, and we can pray. And, and that prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit, uh, strengthening our, our spirits in him and uh, depending on him, putting our whole trust in him. The more we, the more we cast our whole selves upon him, the more we, we don't depend on ourselves, uh, the sooner, the, the more we will, we will experience that intimate fellowship and communion where we, where we, where we experientially know the Lord Jesus in a greater way, who is, who is limitless and is, is completely beyond our, our, our capacity to, to fully understand, and yet we can grow in that, that fellowship. And as we do, we become like him. We become like him. So that's obedience. We become like him. And First um, John 3.24 Again, he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. If you keep your, my commandments, you will abide in my love, John 15, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. So, so as we obey him, as we yield to him, as we deny ourselves and, and surrender to what he wants for his life, for our lives, then then we'll be conformed into his image. We'll experience, we'll experience that love relationship, that loving the Lord Jesus. And that's what it's all about. And that's what heaven's going to be. Heaven's going to be a place simply where there'll be no sin, where we'll be loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will love him, and we will all love one another perfectly. <laughs> and that's really what the church, the local church, can be, a taste of that. And that's, whenever I've experienced that with a body, I've ex just recently experienced that in Peru. People coming together, worshiping, fellowshipping, eating together, serving one another. That's heaven on earth. It's a taste of heaven on earth, isn't it? Yeah, it's fellowship. It's a sharing together in Christ. And um, that's what heaven is. It's just be, be, be perfect, where perfect love and that will grow, and um, and that's what we're called to is that is that love, and then about um, I wanted to comment here that um, you know, that there um, there's um, in John six it's in my notes somewhere, but but I don't know where it is. In my notes, I know more where it is, I think, in the Bible than I do in my notes. John 6 uh, talks about abiding in Christ. Because fellowship is basically, 
abiding in him, the branch and the vine, and uh, how we can grow in, 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 a, in abiding. We, we abide in him when we keep his commandments, and uh, we abide in him. And, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote it. I'm going to try to quote it from my mind. It says, it says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has everlasting life. And I will raise them up in the last day. So it, it's in John 6. But it talks about eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. And then we'll abide in him. We'll, we'll experience that fellowship. We'll abide in him and, and have that communion. So what does that mean? It means, it means trusting in the finished work of Christ. It means, it means receiving and appropriating and putting our whole dependence on, on his dying for us and taking away our sins and shedding his blood for us. And we're, 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 um, we're taking upon our, uh, unto ourselves that perfect sacrifice and that shed blood and placing our dependence on him. We're eating his flesh and drinking his blood because he was about to, he was going to go and die for us. So that is so important as far as fellowship is just resting in the finished work of Christ mm-hmm. where everything is settled. Our forgiveness is settled. Our justification is settled. Uh, our fellowship is settled. He will confirm us unto the end. And so we can't add anything to that. And we can't take anything away from that. And that's always going to be true if we trust in him. So, so when, we, when we are unsettled, we come back to that. We, we're unsettled because we, we got a little bit, we strayed from that. So we come back to resting in the finished work of Christ. And that's how we'll grow in fellowship. Because that's the place of fellowship. That's what, that's what enables us to have fellowship. So, praise the Lord. Um, who will confirm us unto the end that we might be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who called us unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. We were called unto fellowship. So that's our highest calling. That's our most important calling. and we're, uh, More important than our work, more important than our ministry, more important than our family, we were called to fellowship first and foremost. To fellowship with Jesus. That's what we're being called to do. That's the most important calling in our life. Fellowship with Jesus. Seeking Jesus. Abiding in him. Trusting in him. Obeying him. Being in the word. Fellowshipping. Loving him. Being loved by him. This is what he's called us to now and forever. And it says... Um, in Revelation 3, 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So that was given um, to the Laodicean church who had lost their zeal for Jesus, who were lukewarm. That's that's who he was referring to. But I think the application is for all of us because it's easy to be distracted from our first calling of fellowship with Jesus. Amen. It's easy. And I'm not saying that, you know, when you're at work, when, you're, when we're at work, he's with us, he's watching us. 
we can either obey him with our thoughts and attitudes and words, or, or we might not. And so fellowship encompasses all of life, fellowship with Jesus. But, but so here he is. It says he stands at the door and knocks. Um, so that knocking is in the present tense. It's like present continuous tense. So he's knock and he keeps on knocking. And if anyone hears my voice, so he's also calling, he's knocking and he's calling. And it's, it's the voice of the bridegroom for, for the bride. And he's calling and he's knocking. If an, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, that just allows him to, to take total control of our life and that he would have every part of our heart and life. He says, I will come into him and dine with him. I'll have intimate communion with him. That's what that means. I'll have fellowship with him or her and he with me. And that's, that's what the promise. And God is faithful who has called us unto that. And he'll confirm us to the end that we might be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I finished a little early, but that's okay. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. And um, pray that you would help us to respond to your call of having fellowship with you, that we might make this the priority of our hearts. Lord, help us to understand your great love for us. Help us to receive it. Help us to be set free by it. Help us then to love you. Lord, we don't love you the way we should. But by your spirit, empower us to love you, to obey you, to abide in you, to trust in you in all things, no matter what happens. Lord, that we might be conformed into your image and likeness and our lives might be a witness to others who do not know you. And we, we pray, I pray for uh, this church, Lord, that you would use this church, the fellowship of all the believers in you, to, uh, to be a balm, to be a healing balm to those around them in, the, in this area and even to the under, other most parts of the earth. For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name, amen.